Hi everyone, today we sat down with Kate from Kate Uncorked, an accessible, gut-healthy personal chef service in Richmond, Virginia. We talk about why she left her successful career in New York City to go to a farm-to-fork cooking school in Ireland, and how being a personal chef transformed into a successful meal delivery business with four employees. Welcome to Unstrictly Business, a podcast where we interview business owners about everything that helps them succeed, from business advice to self-care and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie, and each week we'll share a new episode with behind-the-scenes content that reveals what it's really like to run a successful business. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to come on and talk to me. Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to talk to you more about how you got to where you are today. And Yeah. I'm Kate Stevenson. My business is Kate Uncorked. It started probably five or six years ago, right after I got back from culinary school. I had started a blog when I was there and um, I got back and a lot of friends and family started asking me to cook for them. And I started out doing more catering and then got into a niche of doing more dinner parties, personal chef work, and that slowly shifted into what I'm doing now, which, you know, I think at its core, it could be looked at as a meal prep service, but I kind of describe it as a hybrid between a personal chef and a meal prep service. So it's a little more customized, a little more specialized, a little more high end, but not necessarily at the same uh, price point as hiring a personal chef to come to your home every day. Yeah, awesome. I like this time period. I was like, this is the worst time to talk about food. All your meals. I like when I first saw on your website. I was like, this stuff looks so good. And then right before I was on your Instagram, everything just looks so pretty. Thank you so much. Well, that's so awesome. So I'm going to start a little, I want to like start way back at the beginning. So you said that you had a really pretty early experience with food and cooking. You would always go to your grandparents and now the garden. I would just like love to hear more about that. Yeah, I've just always been interested in food. I mean, when I was really young, my mom, I mean, I remember this, but we somehow it got lost in the mix, but I wrote a cookbook and I mean, it was not an extravagant cookbook, but it was like a series of recipes. And my dad's mom was a really, really good cook. So I always sort of attribute my love of food to her. And, you know, it's funny now everyone is into composting again and is so much more conscious of our environment. And it's like, I feel like I've seen things come for full circle from when I was really young and would visit my grandparents. They had a compost pile in their backyard and I was like, wow, they were living the way we all should be living. <laughs> if only I had, you know, really understood that at the time. <laughs> but it's just so funny. And I just, I think that sort of sparked my love of food early on and um, sort of helped mold my style of food that I cook today. Yeah, definitely. I can see how, like, I don't know, when you're a little kid and being in a garden and you can eat things right out of the garden, it's just so, it's so fun. And especially being with your grandparents, that must have had some awesome influence on you. 
but that's really cool. I saw that you have, you compost with composting RVA. Have you always done that with your business? Um, I try to, and we, we compost our packaging. We, I mean, we try, we try to be as low waste as possible with our food. We take all of our scraps and we make vegetable stock from it. So we really try to do as little waste as possible, but since we're, we're working out of a commercial kitchen right now, that's a shared kitchen space. So there's not necessarily like a dedicated composting area. So just the whole storage aspect of it, unfortunately doesn't really work, but we, you know, we offer all of our packaging is compostable on a commercial facility. And what I've learned that means is that it's not, it's almost better to throw it away than to recycle it because it doesn't mix with other plastics. It's a plant-based plastic. So it doesn't mix with oil-based plastics. So it's almost more harmful to recycle the product. So, you know, in our mind, if we're going to offer this type of packaging that we think is better for the environment we need to give people a way to actually get rid of it in the right way so yeah that's been a great service and i think people appreciate that we've been we've been surprised and delighted at the response and how many people do choose to compost their packaging so yeah that's really nice i think that's always a good thing to do with like meal prep especially because sometimes putting everything in like all the little containers maybe seems a little wasteful if you're not going to reuse them but right or you guys could use plant-based plastic for those things Mm -hmm. nice well going back a little bit to your chat that I wanted you told me that your parents are really hard workers like your dad has worked at the same law firm for I think almost his whole career which is awesome Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to learn a little bit about them and like what you've learned from them as you created your business. Definitely. They have instilled a really great work ethic in me just by setting an example. My dad, yes, has worked at the same law firm his entire career, which is crazy to me. I mean, I feel like I've had like 10 jobs already, but I mean, I have such a respect for that. I think it's amazing. Um, And my mom my mom was working at an accounting firm. She's a CPA and she, she stopped working when, we had, when they had kids. I have two siblings, so they had three kids. But, you know, I would never say that she actually stopped working. <laughs> she stopped working as a CPA, but she's always been on bank boards. And, you know, she's involved with the Richmond Ballet here. She worked at our high school in the development office. She is by far the busiest person I know. I mean, I don't know how she keeps up with her schedule and she's a grandmother. And so, you know, their drive and motivation is just such an inspiration to me. That's so awesome. Definitely. I think like having your parents there as a, especially even though neither of them are business owners, I think your mom, like being involved in so many different things, there's definitely a a side of doing your own thing and working really hard which is yeah and I think even though they had more traditional career paths they were really supportive of me just figuring out what I really wanted to do and you know I I certainly have not had a traditional career path so I'm just grateful that they were so helpful and supportive in that sense yeah, definitely. I think that makes a big difference. That does remind me, I wanted to ask you about what you were doing before you went to culinary school, because you were in New York, right? Right. So when I graduated from college, I went to um, University of Georgia. I moved straight to New York. Um, 
And I worked in fashion when I first got there. I worked for Ralph Lauren in the buying department and I really loved the job. I mean, I, I loved all my jobs that I had. I just sort of at the end of the day had that feeling that I just wasn't fulfilled. So I did that for about two and a half years. I worked for a startup that sold wine, which definitely, you know, fed my food interest. And there was like a food aspect. We got to take wine classes. So I've always been really interested in wine too. And that was great. It was definitely a good learning experience working at a true startup. And then I worked for a company called Poppin that um, makes office supplies. So I was kind of all over the place. I, I mean, like I said, it, none of them were bad jobs. I feel like I learned a lot good and bad from all of them, just kind of realized at the end of the day, it wasn't where I was ultimately supposed to be. There always kind of felt like there was something missing. Yeah. Do you remember that like transition you had or that period before you went to culinary school that you were like, ah, I don't really want to do this anymore? Or did yes. that um, I felt so Poppin was the last place I worked. And I think I learned working at startups because and that was a startup as well when I started there there were about 30 people I sort of I think and sometimes there just comes a time that the job you were initially hired for might not serve the same purpose after a few years just as the company evolves and I was sort of having an internal struggle with what I thought I wanted to do at the company and what was available for me to do at the company. And I think, again, I think with a startup, that's a hard, that's like a hard balance to find what they really need your help with may not be ultimately what you want to do. Um, and I think when I decided to leave, I remember my boss being like, I think this is a good decision. Like it's, you know, I just don't think we can give you what you want right now, which I really appreciated but I think they thought I was going to work somewhere else. And they were like, what are you going to work? And I was like, oh, I'm going to move to Ireland. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, it was definitely, it was partly that, partly that I just couldn't figure out, you know, my place at this company. And then partly that it was time to resign a lease. And I just felt like moving, um, finding another job and ultimately, having the possibility of feeling the same way in two years, I just somehow knew that like I needed to make a bigger change than that. It wasn't like, I feel like it wasn't the, just the job that was calling to me to make a change. Had you always thought that you would, like had you had the idea to go to culinary school before or was it something that just kind of came up while you were in your yes, life? Yes, I did. I thought about it right when I graduated from college and I, I really, working in a restaurant never excited me. And I think a lot of the schools that I was looking at in the U.S. Um, or even in France, they're very competitive. They're two years long. They're very expensive. And I just felt, you know, the same with going to business school or anything like that. If I don't know what I want to do with this, then it's just a lot of time and money to take out of your life to you know, hopefully decide what you want to do. And, and a lot of them really filter you into the restaurant world. Right. I think even when I graduated from college in 2009, I don't necessarily think there were as many 
opportunities to do something different in food as there are now. And so, yes, I always wanted to go to culinary school. It just, it never felt like it was a good decision financially or career wise, just cause I, it felt like I was just doing it cause I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then finally you felt like you were really ready when you finished. Yeah. I felt like I was ready. And I also, I had found this school in Ireland that I felt like, I felt like it was a big enough drastic change for what I needed. And it also, it wasn't a two-year program. So it was only four months long. I was able to make some connections before I applied and talk to some people that had been there, just hearing their perspective, you know, it ended up, it ended up working out and it was as good as it seemed. So. That's really awesome. It looks really, or just the way you described it sounds so amazing. Okay. So that was like an incredible experience. It was with, it was like a pretty small group, right? It was like 60 people or something. So there were about 60 people in the program. Um, What I really loved about it is it definitely took the competitive aspect out of what I expected from culinary school because there were people there of all ages. There were people right out of high school that were, you know, in the in the UK and Europe, it's more customary, I think, to do a gap year. So a lot of kids were like doing their gap year. There was a woman from New York who was 75 years old who had just always wanted to do it. And a lady from LA who worked on the Kardashian show and she just had some time off. So she decided to come and had no intention of switching her career. And you didn't feel that sense of competition with everyone. It was more of a, like an interesting supportive group of people that, you know, were all there to fulfill their own individual needs and purposes, whether it was career wise or just sort of a bucket list type of thing. So I thought that really kind of took the pressure off in a great way. No, definitely. And it sounded like a really convivial experience that you were all on this like farm in Ireland. And I read a story about your Thanksgiving. I would love for you to share that with everybody because that just sounded so amazing. (laughs) It was so much fun. I wish we could go back and do it again. Maybe one day. Yeah. (laughs) No. I hope. I have been to Dublin once, but I didn't get to explore outside of Dublin, but I've just seen so many beautiful pictures of Ireland, and I definitely need to go back and explore. I know. I hope I can go sometime soon. One of these days. I have not been back since culinary school, but I suggest it to anyone. It's so beautiful there. Yeah. So it was a farm-to-table culinary school, so do you think that was your main takeaway from Ballymaloo, or was there something else that really... Um, was important to your business for now? Yeah, I think, you know, the reason I I chose there, aside from the fact that, you know, all of the cool things about it, and it was in Ireland, and the it wasn't a two-year program, I was looking for more farm-to-table focused schools, just because I felt like there was such a growing, there was obviously like a farm-to-table trend happening but I feel like that's because people are starting and you know starting to really care about and want to know where their food comes from Mm -hmm. um just because our food systems in the U.S. have are just you know it 
they're just crazy. And I feel like I was interested in this, but I didn't feel like I had the knowledge and the background and I just wanted to learn more about it. And, you know, I feel, I feel like it really helped shape my mission for my company because I just remember being there and, you know, this was not, it's a farm to table focused school, but we were making pastries. We, you know, it wasn't a quote unquote healthy school, but it wasn't unhealthy. And I just, I remember being there and just eating everything that was grown in the garden and, you know, milk that was milked from the cows. And we were using that to make our pastries and butter that was from grass fed cow. I mean, it was, I just remember the way I felt. I was like, I'm eating like a pig because I'm only here for three months and I want to try everything. But I just, I have energy and I feel good and my skin was clear. And mm-hmm. like, I remember when my friends came to visit for Thanksgiving, they were like, oh my God, you look great. You, you post cake on your Instagram every day. Like, how do you look like this? And I, I was like, I just, you know, I think it's, because I'm not eating anything processed, you know, I'm not eating chemically produced foods. And it's just, it really, I felt how much of a difference it made and, you know, your, your energy level, the way you sleep, the way you, you know, the way your brain works. It was just, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And I was like, there's got, you know, this is how you're supposed to be eating and how you're supposed to be living. And I really think that just seeing that and experiencing it firsthand made such an impact because I was like, I, I feel like I, I know that this works. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. That sounds, I was a, a nanny in France like a few summers ago and family. Yeah, it was so awesome. But the family totally like lived off the land. Like we would pick blueberries and they would make jam and they had bees oh in the garden. And every night the dad would cut the lettuce out of the garden <laughs> and eat our salad. And it was just, it truly is a life-changing experience when you have like know what good fresh food is and how that can affect like make you feel so amazing when the American diet is really known for lots of oils and lots of processed food and fast, like eating on the go. And that's what I was so pulled to with your business, how it was so holistic and not like focusing on a diet, but just more focusing right. on eating better for your gut. So has your business evolved with that? Like did your, did Ballymoo talk about the gut and eating holistically or is that kind of like your own special addition to well, I, I feel like the gut health aspect is, that was more me, but I do, you know, I, I really just, I've never found a diet that to work. You know, I just, I truly don't believe in them because I think it's a quick fix to either get what you want or, you know, get what you want, whether it's like a vanity thing or a weight thing, whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, unless you're committing to totally change, there's no way that it's not going to creep back up on you. And so I just, you know, and I think especially this time of year, everyone's cutting stuff out and it's such a, to me, it's like an arbitrary time to do that. You know, why are we doing this in January? Okay. Just (laughs) because it's the start of a new year. Like let's set goals that we're going to let ourselves down with. Um, And so I just, I think there's like, there's just so much noise out there and 
everyone wants to latch on to a new, you know, a new fad, a new trend. But I just think that, I think Ballet Malou definitely helped the holistic aspect of the business. But I really think the, the gut health trend is something that I've, I've just sort of come to notice in research and experience and something that I just think is so important to every aspect of your life that it just sort of rings more true every day. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Last week, so we have like a wellness workshop every week in Duval Department. And last week we had a nutritionist come on. She specializes in gut health. Oh, and wow. she did like a supercharger work from home well-being. And it was so focused on food and like just like other well-being practices. But it was so interesting how it affects like your stress levels, if your gut is inflamed and if you're not eating right. And it's so right. crazy, the connection between like your mind and your gut. and Totally. You know, but it's so cool. I love learning about that. And that makes me want to ask you, like, do you, how does food and wellness play a part in your role as a business owner? Like, what do you do to recharge when you're overwhelmed? Yeah. Um, I try to meditate. I'm not very good at it. I take, um, I started taking a, like a group meditation class that I really like. It's just, it's a guided meditation. There's like five of us that do it. And, um, we have a teacher that does a guided meditation for us every week. And I feel like that it makes me just sort of turn off for an hour. And I feel like my goals are always to try to do it more on my own, which I'm not very good at, but it's okay. But yeah, I feel like trying to meditate, doing yoga. I've never been like a runner or someone that does like high intensity workouts. So I love yoga, Pilates, that really does help me recharge. And I think just trying to take a day a week, at least to turn off, I think as entrepreneurs and business owners, it's so easy to feel like the work is never done because it kind of isn't Um, like there really is always something you should be doing, but I try to it's normally a Saturday for me just because the nature of our business. Um, I end up doing a few things on Sunday for work, but I think you just have to make yourself not open your email, not open your computer and just turn off for a day. And that really helps me. I think it's, I, I get better at it the more I do it because I think it is really easy to feel like if you get an email from a client or something goes wrong, that it has to be answered immediately. And more often than not, it doesn't. So (laughs) you just have to learn to be okay with it, which is where the meditation comes in. No, that's cool. That's really great. It's nice to do a class because then you're held accountable and you have this time blocked out every week to do it. Right, right. And that, I mean, I struggle with that a lot, sort of the concept of showing up for yourself in that sense. I wish I was someone who could, you know, every morning give myself a 30 minute yoga class or something, but I just, I am not that person. So I have to, you know, I feel like I have to be held accountable and have someone tell me to do it, which I'm okay with. <laughs> I feel like everybody needs that. It's hard. We all know what's right for us and we all know the right, like, right. The good thing to do, but actually doing it is where it's hard. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, everything you, you're doing sounds good to me. So that is awesome. I always am interested to hear about how business owners like balance the work and the rest because like you said, there's always something to do and it is hard when you're running a business. But um, I was also wondering what your average day looks like. So you have, I'm curious to know the day to day of Kate Uncorked. Yeah. So Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm in the kitchen. Mondays are big prep day. And then Tuesday we package and deliver everything. But that normally, I mean, Monday is probably our longest day of the week, just, or or at least it feels like the longest because we're on our feet all day. But Wednesday through the rest of the week is basically spent prepping for Monday. We pay a lot of attention to our sourcing we try to source as much local produce as possible. And the, you know, the hard part is, especially this time of year, is that there's just not that much available or that a lot of farmers tailor their, like their deliveries and how they're going to pick their product based on restaurant schedules, which normally happens on Thursdays. And we normally do it on Monday, prep on Mondays. So, um, you know, a lot of it is figuring out logistics and how we're going to actually physically get the product, assuming they have it available. And it's just, it's honestly like doing anything we can to make Monday go as smooth as possible. Uh, like placing orders, making a million lists. But I mean, it really, it's just, it's amazing how much prep it takes to be prepared for your prep day. <laughs> But it's totally worth it. I mean, it's everything from, you know, I can say we have to make 50 containers of balsamic vinaigrette dressing, but I'm going to go the extra and I'm going to say that requires like this, these are the actual measurements for the balsamic dressing so that whoever's making it doesn't have to sit there and take out their phone and do the math. So it's like getting every detail as precise as possible so that our time isn't eaten up by doing menial tasks like that on Monday and we can just focus on the food. I mean, that's really smart. I think getting all that out of the way, because there's so many little details. I can't imagine all of the meals look so put together, each one making so many at the same time. I just can't even imagine the logistics behind it. I remember the first person that I hired to help me who isn't with me anymore, he had a lot more experience working at restaurants and being in a commercial kitchen that I did. And I can't, I mean, I showed up with him the first day and he was like, I think it would be helpful for you to make a list. So all of this stuff that I'm doing now, like I had no idea I should be doing it before. It's all just been learning and trial and error and hiring people that I can learn from and know what they're doing and can help me just as much as I can help them. I think there's no rule book to building your specific business. So there's, you can always be learning more. And I feel like most of it is just learning on the go because there's not really, I listened to this one podcast of this business owner and he was like, kind of like jumping off a cliff and building the airplane on the way down. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds quite like pretty right to me. Right. <laughs> I really agreed with him on that one, but you talked about, so you have a team. I'm really curious to know how you built out your team and when you decided that you needed more help. Right. Like I said, the first person that I hired, I, I sort of hired him on a consulting basis. I had never worked in a commercial kitchen before, and I had just joined this commercial kitchen that was a shared kitchen space. And 
I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I didn't know how to use the dishwasher. I didn't know how to use anything. I was so, I just felt like such a fish out of water. Um, and he had had a ton of restaurant experience and was kind of in a transitional period in his job. So he came on to help me, I mean, to help me do everything. And we, I still can't believe the amount of work we got done with just two people. Um, it's funny, the more people I hire, I feel like the more people I want to hire. Yeah. <laughs> there just always seems to be more, the more help you get, I feel like the more you realize what you can do. And so it's like little things like we didn't have time to do all the pretty garnishes before, but now that we do them, you know, that's one more thing on our to-do list that we need a hand for. Um, but he, I had him help me for about six months and really he helped me get my feet on the ground. And then once he left, I started building a team from there. So I now have four, actually now five people that work for me. One just helps me deliver the rest help in the kitchen. And I'm just like such a big believer in having everyone play to their strengths, but also if there's something that they want to be doing more of or want to learn more about, you know, I think it's my responsibility to help them do that. So I have someone that really just wants to focus on recipe testing and menus and food sourcing and really just be like all in the food. Um, and so I, you know, I try to give her creative freedom, let her test her recipes, um, help with the menus and that's worked out really well. And so then I have someone else who likes to do more of social media and emails and help on the back end stuff. And she really likes to bake. So she does all of our sort of like sweet treats and add-ons and baked goods. And she helps me do a lot of back end work. And then, you know, I think, I think that's really important in building a team. I mentioned this before, but I think hiring people that you think you can learn from just as much as they can learn from you is really important. And um, it's always just been my goal to have people feel fulfilled and appreciated. And, you know, I think whatever you can do to pay people what they're worth is really important. And I think the more that you can do that and sort of build your team in that way, rather than sort of only having them do what you need to do, I think that benefits everyone and benefits the business as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I was reading over some of your values and I saw that like people were, was the number one uh, value that you listed. And I definitely agree. I mean, I think that that's such a, so important to every business is the people, because that's something you can't go out and buy. That's something you can't really replace. It's that person who has really unique attributes and things that they do really well so that's awesome that you know how to play to play off of those things I'm learning I'm trying but yeah this is I feel like I'm I'm there and I'm you know I'm the face of the business but it doesn't I could never do this all on my own I mean if I if I lost several members of my team it just it would never get done so they're just so critical to the success of the business. That's so awesome. And do you think like the people is what you attribute your success to, or is there something else that you just know, oh, if I didn't have this, we would not be as successful as we are? 
Well, I think it's the people, yes. I think it's investing in systems that shave time off your week. Like our ordering platform is huge. It's, I feel like our backend is a little wonky because we use several systems that don't talk to each other. But I didn't even realize this until I launched that there are specific softwares created just for meal prep services which is amazing. I mean, it takes so much time off your hands. It organizes your orders and your data in a way that a traditional like Shopify or um, just like a traditional e-commerce site doesn't necessarily do. And I didn't even know those existed before I started doing this. And I, at first, when I was researching these, like the price point of them was so shocking because I was like, oh my God, you're taking... X percent of my sales every week, the amount of time they save and the amount of error they eliminate is so worth it. So, you know, stuff like that, stuff like using like the service that I use for payroll, Gusto, I have to pay a monthly fee for that, but they file all my taxes for me and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like you have to sort of, of course, it has to be something you can afford, but I think afford is such a relative term. It's like, can you really afford to spend X amount of hours a month paying these taxes? If you don't know if they're, you know, I think you really have to weigh how much your time is worth and how much, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur is figuring out how to pay yourself and if it's worth it to hire someone to do a job you're already doing. Yeah, definitely. I saw that you also worked with like Apple Car and Campfire and Co. Um, for more mm-hmm. of the branding and design side and definitely branding and design is a huge investment, but do you think that's something that's played into your success too? Totally, totally. I mean, I think Apple Cart really, like they set me up in the kitchen. They got my feet off the ground totally. And I think it was you know, they also gave me the confidence that this was a good idea, that this was a good business. Um, they put, you know, they put so many connections in place for me that I don't, I definitely don't think I would have gotten my business off the ground in the speed that I did without them. And then Campfire, I mean, I just, I think that You know, I think if (laughs) I think going to your website and seeing your branding and the fact that it's professional and clean and represents your product is so important. And they, I really just think they took my business to the next level in terms of, in terms of it looking professional and aesthetically fitting the brand that I wanted to promote. They did such a good job with that. So but again, both of those were big investments that that totally paid off. I mean, I think it's totally worth it. But it's such it's such a gut punch to sort of see those numbers and <laughs> take a risk on these companies. Definitely. And now for marketing, like getting new clients, do you have something? Do you outsource that, or is that something you guys do in house? We don't. We really just use social media and word of mouth. To be honest. Um, I think probably now that we have, we've been going for about a year and a half, we'll probably look into other, other ways of promoting ourselves just as the business evolved. But I, we're really lucky in that 
we haven't really needed to. Um, we, for the first year, I operated using a wait list to take on new clients just because I was trying to manage the demand that we had and make sure that we could produce the same quality of product every week, mm-hmm. depending on our orders. We've just stopped doing that. And rather than having a wait list, we just cap our orders every week. So our orders, they may sell out. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah, so we've been, we've just been really lucky that the business has grown organically. And I think in a town like Richmond, that's a small tight knit community, such a big help to your business. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think Richmond really has similar values to Kate Uncorked about what is important to them for their food. Um, I think that definitely helped too. But that's really awesome. How did people find out at first? So maybe like now it's word of mouth, but in the beginning, was it just family? Um, Well, I did. I reached out to probably 30 friends who I thought might be interested or friends or clients that I had cooked for in the past. And I did a testing phase. So I did five weeks of testing and got everyone's feedback and then figured out how I was really going to launch this. But so that helped get the word out initially. Honestly, just like social media has been the biggest thing. Yeah. Do you do anything specific or just like posting pretty pictures and like getting your good hashtags in? Yeah, I think just posting pictures, getting hashtags. Um, I think the website helps a lot. I also think You know, I started this because I, it was a business that I wanted for myself. (laughs) I, you know, I, I'm big on balance, so I won't, can't sit here and say that I'm a hundred percent gluten and dairy free, but I, I feel like for me, I've seen how gluten and dairy can affect, can affect my energy level and how I feel and not great ways and also saw that there was such a need for that enrichment um, especially in the prepared food sector i think there's a lot of really awesome food in richmond obviously and there's a lot of people doing prepared foods but it didn't i felt like there wasn't really a healthy option (laughs) or a good healthy option and Yeah, so I really just started this because it was something that I wanted to buy for myself. And um, that's how it kind of evolved. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's how a lot of businesses start out. People, they see a problem, they can't find a solution themselves. And they're like, hey, I'm interested enough in this to do it myself. So I'm going to do it. But that's right. That's really awesome because it's hard. It's scary to start a business. So going out and actually doing it, I think is the scariest part. And then once you're in, you're just like tumbling through everything. And But also, okay, I have two more questions for you and then we're going to be done. This went by so quickly, I feel. I but, know. Um, I've, all of your answers have been so amazing. So this is a question I like to ask business owners. So you mentioned that you've had like a few hiccups, but do you have a favorite failure or something that maybe didn't work out at first, but now you look back and you're like, I'm kind of glad that happened. Or maybe you're not glad it happened, but you at least learned a lot from it. You know, I can't think of one like terrible failure I had, but I will, I will say after I did those five weeks of testing, Mm -hmm. I feel like 
I got, I got like a really mixed review on feedback and it wasn't, you know, I got a lot of good feedback, but I also got a lot of people saying stuff like the service is too expensive. This isn't how people like to eat. People are never going to use your service unless you give them a discount. And it, it was honestly, it was, I mean, it was such a good learning experience, but it was a little discouraging. And I think when you send a survey out or put yourself out there, obviously you're opening yourself up to any sort of criticism. And I feel like that just sort of taught me up front that this is not, you can't please everyone, which I knew, but, um, you know, this definitely is not a service for everyone, which is, and that's okay. You know, not everyone wants to order a meal plan every week. Not everyone wants to eat gluten and dairy free. Not, and like, I feel like just trying to be okay with that and understanding that it's not necessarily personal when people say stuff like that, I think was a big learning. Um, but I also think that I, I just felt so strongly despite some of the negative reviews I got that I felt like the service was priced really appropriately given the quality of food that you were getting. I felt like the way, I felt like the way that it was priced as it, we do like a bulk price for a meal plan rather than like breaking it into individual meals. I felt like that sort of represented like the holistic aspect of the service in a way that like you're not getting three meals for X amount of dollars. You're getting an entire package and, you know, that comes with food, but it also comes with convenience, time-saving, expertise, sourcing. You know, I just, I felt really strongly that, that I was right, <laughs> as a lot of entrepreneurs do. But it was just, it was really important to me. I, I also had seen so many people give reviews of businesses. Um, a lot of the services that not, I mean, not specific meal services in Richmond that I know of, but something like a Blue Apron, for example, which I've done and I think they do a great job, but I've heard people say, you know, I'm never going to pay full price because they always give out discounts. And I think that's so true. And I think that the way that you sort of treat your product in that sense really dictates its perceived value to people. Um, so I was sort of like, I have a product I believe in. I'm going to stand behind it. I'm not going to give a discount. I'm going to try to listen to what people have to say. But I also think that there is sort of a learning and training your customer curve. And you have to find a balance between the two. And I think so far it's worked. So I'm grateful for that. I Luckily, we have not had any like huge catastrophes, but I, I think just opening yourself up to feedback and being okay with getting negative feedback and being open to change is one of the biggest learning curves I've had to deal with. Because of course you want everyone to love, you want everyone to want the product. But <laughs> oh, it's hard. And I think 
when like having I've always heard that when people are attracted to your product that means some people are not going to be attracted to it but it's good because if some people aren't attracted to your product it means you're attracting your customer your like more ideal customer so and I think what you said earlier about using the technologies that are maybe a little bit more expensive but save you time for so many of your clients I'm sure that they it's so worth it to have this amazing meal just delivered right to their home and like ready in their fridge for them that they can just heat up and if they're maybe a mom or like a guy who doesn't really want to cook, but like wants to eat healthy, but he's working so much. Like I think, and the same goes for like any, anybody else who's busy. Like I've definitely, when I looked at your website, I was like, Oh, this would be so awesome. It's what you value in it. And like you said, it's so much more than the food. It's the convenience and values behind it. And knowing that this was prepared for with local ingredients and so it's really awesome what you've created and my last question for you is just what your goals are for this year so do you have anything that you're looking forward to or you're just like keep on keeping on with what you're doing yes we do have things um we are we haven't really launched it yet so i'll just sort of give you a tidbit but we're working on something in the um postpartum community so something that we hope will help new moms before I had launched the meal service, I was doing a lot of cooking for new moms and just noticed that there is, there's a lot of research out there about postpartum nutrition. There's not really anyone that's providing a service that's specific to it. I think when it comes to I, when it comes to gifting food, it's always, it's such a nice thought and it's always the thought that counts so to sort of help people find a way to be able to do that, but, um, but focus more on the nutritional aspect of postpartum and what your body needs to heal. So we are working on that, hopefully launching it in the next few months. Well, that's so exciting. I love that kind of stuff. I'm far away from being a mom, but I don't know. I just am so interested in that. your body works so hard to make a baby oh, and then like... <laughs> getting in all those important nutrients I've seen like a I think I saw a cookbook maybe but I think it was about like when you're pregnant um I think they have one in Boketo I saw that you like going there when you like a relax. <laughs> and I saw this and I was like oh this looks like something I'm gonna want when I'm a mom it's so interesting it's yeah. so interesting yes yeah, cool. so that's sort of our one of our big goals for 2021 and just to keep going <laughs> Oh, that's so exciting. This was so awesome. I just love hearing your journey and thank you so much. Your business and how you like balance work and rest and just so awesome. But thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Unstrictly Business. Want to learn more about how you can create a successful business of your own? Visit our website, dowelldepartment.com. Dowell, D-E-P-T.com. See you next week.